Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to the Book Collector podcast. Is this Mystical Benkin? Written by John Somery Smith. Contrary to what you might expect, or perhaps hope for, this has nothing to do with that splendiferous financier, Newbar Gulbenkian, and everything to do with a book by A. P. Herbert called Poor Poems and Rotten Rhymes, published in 1910. It was written by John Somery Smith and is read here by Neil Pearson, the well-known actor and bookseller. In 1982, John Thorne, the then headmaster of Winchester, approached me about the school's long-established bookshop in College Street, P&G Wells. The shop had been in the Wells family's hands since the 1840s, and in their ownership since 1866. The London bookseller David Nutt had taken over Robinson Wheeler, as it was, in 1845, putting it in the care of old Mr. Robbins's young assistant, Joseph Wells, 1822-1890. From 1862, it was Nutt and Wells. Nutt died four years later, and on Wells's death, it was called after his two sons, Philip Edward Wells, 1858-1928, and George Woodward Wells, 1859-1905. My father had fond memories of it in the 1920s, and when I reached Winchester in 1957, was surprised to find that Philip's daughter, Miss Wells, who had started there in 1908, was still very much in charge, and depending on the trusty service of Mr. Elkins and Mr. Spicer. Miss Wells, Margaret Wyeth Wells, 1891-1982, survived in the business until 1979, and was succeeded by her niece, Monique Fuchs, author of Accounting for Bookselling, 1965, in the Better Bookselling series. I had known the latter and her husband, Jan, when they were running a tiny shop in Castle Street, Farnham. P&G Wells had been invited soon after the Second World War to be the official booksellers to Charterhouse, outside Godalming. They combined this with the crowded bookshop in Farnham. Mr. Thorne suggested that I should meet Monique and, with David Bacon, Haywood Hill's owner, examine the accounts. He explained that the school would buy the premises, including the bindery at the back, and fix a friendly lease with whoever was running the shop. The business had never been particularly profitable, but with the school's backing, All boys automatically had accounts there settled by indulgent parents, and a local customer base which included some obvious book buyers. It had never lost money. That it was on the same scale as Haywood Hill was appealing, as there were already signs that chain bookshops were starting to influence general trade. There was no question of my running both shops. Any success would depend on my finding someone who could rise to the challenge of Wells. An advertisement in the bookseller produced a near-perfect candidate in Matthew Huntley. He'd had twelve years with Oxford University Press, left them when they gave up their London office in Dover Street, and then completed an abbreviated course in accountancy. Coincidentally, he and his American wife lived in Barnsbury, 
only a few streets away from our house in Canonbury. It was vital that Monique should approve of Matthew. If that worked out, he would understudy her for his first few months and then take over as boss. If he had teething problems, Haywood Hill would do their best to solve them. David Bacon interpreted this by insisting that Matthew should submit the Wells' monthly accounts to him within a day or two of the last day of the month. When Matthew's trained assistant fell sick and he had to do the accounts himself, he was not happy about David's impatient lack of professional sympathy. Soon after Matthew had finished his three-year trial period, he asked whether Haywood Hill was prepared to sell him our majority share, and we were happy to do so. Living in St Cross and already friendly with many of the Winchester staff, he had well and truly settled, and he stayed as managing director until he sold the business in 2009. He and I have stayed as directors since then, and are invited to an occasional meeting. It was one such meeting in mid-July that revived these memories, plus an unusual book published by Wells in 1910. The author was A.P. Herbert, who attended Winchester from 1904 to 1909. Its title, Poor Poems and Rotten Rhymes. This copy had belonged to a bibliophile Wickhamist called George Harwood, an erstwhile scholar contemporary with John Sparrow. Mr. Harwood and his family had all patronised Haywood Hill. Despite leaving Christchurch, Oxford, without a degree, he had made a fortune in Johannesburg during the 1930s and used to come to London every two or three years. He stayed at Brooks's and kept a square brown bowler in the club to wear on his walks in St. James's. When he visited his bookshop, he behaved as if he owned it or wanted to buy most of our stock. There was no need for me to be introduced, but I was intrigued enough to slip a piece of paper into my boss's hands, on which I'd written, Is this Mr. Gulbenkian? Handy Buchanan looked at it and, with a laugh, showed it to George Harwood. He thought it extremely funny. The Herbert book carried Harwood's attractive book label on its pace-down. This was very familiar to me because we had been offered a considerable slice of his library after his death in 1985. It had been inherited by his son, George Jr., and there was too much coming from South Africa for him to accommodate as a bachelor. He lived in a set at the Paragon, Blackheath, and when the books arrived he needed to buy a second set where they could be shelved. He kept one room for books to read, the other for some of his father's antiquarian trophies. Haywood Hill was lucky enough to be offered as many of the books for which we had likely customers, and we combined them in our second tribute catalogue, with my short introduction mentioning George Harwood's passion for books and his fluency in eight languages. The catalogue concentrated on the period from 1780 to 1830 and contained no more than 73 items. William Beckford featured large, with fine copies of his illustrated books about Fonthill and underpriced views of Lansdowne Tower, and Samuel Rogers's Human Life, a Poem, 1820, which came from Beckford's library. Some of his pencilled notes on The Yellow Poet, see Glenarvan, 
are distinctly critical. All this is very sweet and praiseworthy in some points of view, and gentle warblings not inferior to Botherby's soothing syrup, so invaluable to mothers, but I should not have expected such panada from an intimate friend and dedicatee of the tremendous Byron. There were other contemporaries of Byron and a full shelf of Walter Savage Lander, who may have been more collectible in George Harwood's youth than he is today. As far as South Africa was concerned, he had an impressive group of the early travellers, such as John Barrow and Edward Bowditch. Other colour-plate books included Humphrey Repton's Observations, 1803, William Gell's Topography of Troy, 1804, and Horace Walpole's Description of Strawberry Hill, 1784, given to Lord Grey in 1813 by the good Lady Waldegrave. I'd hoped to include Ackerman's Microcosm of London, but George Harwood Jr. asked me if he could keep it for a few weeks, as he'd always wanted to read it. He told me that it made fascinating social history, a judgment that I've always been ready to pass on to those who think only of its pretty plates. Twenty years later, soon after I had left Hayward Hill, George Jr. approached me about culling his considerable collection. He was facing an operation that might have put him in a wheelchair and had decided to dispose of his father's two remaining libraries and the next-door set in which they had been housed. By then, under the aegis of Mags, I asked for some specialist help from Robert Harding. In the course of a morning, he managed to discover a copy of Marlowe's Hero and Leander, 1637, and some handsome 18th-century bindings. Before we left, George opened a drawer where he had kept a fine illuminated manuscript. I keep this for a rainy day, he explained, and wonder if there is anyone at Mag's who could give me a valuation. We duly took it back to Berkeley Square with the rest of our discoveries and handed over the manuscript to Jonathan Riley. A few weeks ago, I happened to notice the death announcement of George Jr. in the Times. Before leaving my desk that same afternoon, Mags had a call from his sister, who had been left his remaining possessions. Might I be able to come and advise her about probate and any books for which she had no enthusiasm, and of course the illuminated manuscript which she was keeping under lock and key? So that is how I acquired Poor Poems and Rotten Rhymes. I'd had a fine copy of it last year, but had sold it before having a chance to read what proves to be A.P. Herbert's first published book. His rhyming skills led to an important part of his literary life as a regular contributor to Punch in its heyday. A hundred years ago, he served in the Gallipoli campaign, and it is appropriate to remember his memorable war novel, The Secret Battle. It wasn't published until 1919, so coincided with a massive wave of war books. It had no marked success until Methuen, his publishers, reprinted it with a remarkable introduction by Winston Churchill. Poor Poems is not an impossible book to find, but the only other person I know to have a copy is Matthew Huntley. Thirty years ago he found it in Miss Wells's office, 
at the back of the bookshop. That was Is This Mr. Gulbenkin? Published by the Book Collector in our winter issue for 2015 and read here by Neil Pearson. If you enjoyed this Book Collector podcast, you can find many more on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or via our website. Visit thebookcollector.co.uk today.